Alright. Alright, I'm recording. Alright, welcome back to the Umda podcast. Uh, we had a fascinating guest on today. Um absolute absolutely uh we were privileged to be able to speak to him. Uh, Mike, you wanna Yeah, yeah. So describe? today today we talked to Ruben Sevilla, who's a journalist in Venezuela right now. Um, he, uh, for the past year or so has been covering demonstrations, uh, that have been going on in the country. Um, they've been having food shortages, uh, and a lot of political upheaval. Um, so we were lucky enough to get Ruben to join us on the podcast from Caracas, Venezuela, where he, he went over to a friend's house because he doesn't have any internet right now because of things are such a mess right now, but um it sounded like they were hanging out at the friend's house maybe watching a soccer game <laughs> during the day so it gets a little loud at some points but um it's really interesting um we kind of get into the history of venezuela why things are turning for the worse there right now um and uh he gives us a lot of details um it's a really interesting and exciting conversation uh, especially to hear his perspective as a journalist on the streets there. Um, there's a few stories he tells where um, he was kind of fearful for his own life and um, uh, certain times where him or a friend of his got their cameras or memory cards wiped, erased, or stolen. Um, so, um, yeah, I thought it was a good talk. And uh, a, a couple times um, he kind of gets kind of gets really detailed and um some of the things were um were um easy to understand and follow and uh I think I think um uh he did a good job of of trying to give us a good context for what's going on there now um so yeah yeah I think I think if you know you listen to the whole conversation it's v- vastly interesting there's a few few times where um he gave uh, a lot of information so um uh i think it's worth a listen and it's, it was it was a good, good talk. yeah and and how uh, when he starts off you'll you'll notice that he, he jumps right into the uh, some, some detail and so i just to, to provide some context he he starts off by describing the history of venezuela and i i know it's not um, a subject that we all follow closely so just for everybody to understand um, you know, Venezuela was actually a, a quite a prosperous country for a long time. Um, they're, they're rich in oil. So in the early 50s, they were um, they, they're actually one of the, the most prosperous economies in South America. Uh, but when a man named Hugo Chavez took reign in the late 90s, uh, he, he really forcefully implemented a socialism um government and in a socialism economy where, you know, I, I think it's easy to say that he was a dictator uh, and he wanted to be, and, and you'll hear Ruben start describing Hugo as this guy who wanted to be loved and liked so much um, and, and branded himself as this guy that was helping the poor. And that to me was just so fascinating uh, because it's, it's exactly what Mike and I talk about often and this is real. This is this is now. This is happening right now. It's it's um, and so it, you know we try to talk to Ruben about uh, more about like so what he thinks about socialism and and 
you know, American culture. Uh, so I, I think that, that, uh, you know, keep in mind that he, I mean, that he's there every day reporting and, and he's you know, born and raised in Venezuela. So he does, he does a great job, uh, talking about that, but, uh, yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed as, as much as we did. Yeah, it was great. It was pretty good. Pretty, pretty. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Cue the music. Music. Got it. Got it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Ah! Ruben Sevilla. Oh, and one last thing. His uh, his Instagram is very, very good. Very interesting. Uh, I think it's just at Ruben Sevilla, uh, which is R-U... B-E-N-S-E-V-I-L-L-A. We'll put the link in the description. And uh, uh, check it out because it's pretty pretty amazing stuff. All right. Duh. Music. Duh. Um, duh. What is right and wrong? Um, duh. What is good and bad? I always refer to myself as a contrarian. The search for common sense in the defense of free speech. Onda. Onda. Um, duh. Onda. 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 Hey, guys, what's up? Hey, hey. how's it going? Uh, very nice, are you? Good. Oh, yeah, that sounds a lot better. Yeah, yeah, it sounds perfect. Look, look at Look at where I'm standing. Oh my god. Look at this beauty, man. Wow. Yeah, Caracas is awesome. Yeah. Holy cow. Where are where are you right now? Where, who where are you staying? Uh now I'm I'm at some friends. We were making some hamburgers and then we ate. But uh yeah, I live I live here like not here but at my place. Oh nice. Yeah. Very cool. Well, yeah. Um, uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. So I'm I, I'm Michael, as you know, and I this is this is Tommy. Hey, nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you, Tommy. Nice to meet you, Michael. Yeah, you too. I'm Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> How's your toe doing? I know you. I know you heard it a couple weeks back. Oh yeah. Uh, right now it's it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I had 21 days of uh, rest. I couldn't like go out to the streets. I couldn't walk normally. Uh, but yeah, it was some stupid accident in the motorbike at on the motorbike. Yeah. How how did it happen? Did you were you the only one on the bike? Oh uh, no. Uh, we we have something something called here uh, called moto taxis. Mm-hmm. Those are like uh motorcycle drivers who render bikes as mo uh, as, as taxis so uh, f- uh to work in when when you know ah, fuck in the streets here they uh they they do some like road blockades as a method of of protest and that those days we have to go all over the city uh, with the bike, uh, just you know, like taking pictures of the blockades, taking pictures of people that are like participating in the activity, uh, making videos, and of course, uh, when there's there there are some 
when there are like clashes between the security forces and the and the demonstrators. Uh, but uh, the thing is, the road was blocked, and we were like driving on the um, walkway, and there were like some things made out of cement uh, on the on the, on the sideway, and I just like uh, I had my my foot like I don't know like somehow out of the bike yeah and in, in some moments the guy just drove too near to these things and well i i just like kicked it oh, okay but yeah it was very painful <laughs> uh, that's rough hey ruben it's a little hard to hear you with with the dogs in the background i don't know if there's another spot you can go but yeah yeah let, let me go to another oh yeah another cool. place Cool. So, I guess you have questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot, hopefully. Okay. Great. Yeah, to yeah. Tommy and I were excited to have you on because, um, yeah, well, Ricardo told us that you'd be willing, willing to talk, and I've been following your Instagram feed for a little while now, just amazed at what's going on, and um, your pictures are really good, too. And Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, so we wanted to we wanted to invite you on and ask you um, about what's going on in Venezuela right now because um, first of all I'm really curious about it and um, secondly I don't think a lot of people in the United States is really on their radar or they are I, I think uh, it's definitely in the news here from time to time but um, so maybe just start off by you know introducing yourself and and telling us um what what you're doing in venezuela right now and uh what's going on in in the country um well hi <laughs> my name is ruben sevilla uh and i'm a multimedia multimedia reporter i basically uh take pictures make videos and make live streamings uh for a news channel for an international news channel called ntn24 uh our channel is in several countries in latin america and venezuela is one of them uh as you as you know uh since the 1998 we've had a kind of socialist government um in 1998 uh was uh, ex-president Hugo Chavez elected and the first thing he he did was changing the constitution uh, he proposed uh, to make a new constitution it was voted and it passed so we have an, a new constitution uh, from 1999 from that day uh, Chavez started taking like uh populist policies uh he started to give a lot of money to poor people he started to create a lot of uh like help help programs for poor people uh giving them housing giving them uh things for their households uh for example uh freezers ovens um uh, cooking, a lot of stuff, like uh, 
a very affordable prices. Um, so people loved loved him a lot. Uh, he also used a lot of populism. Uh, he wanted the people to see him as the savior of of the people. Uh, but uh, this all turned out to be wrong because his economical policies were incorrect. So it uh, launched our country into a um, downward spiral uh, in which hey, we are Ruben. now. Ruben, sorry, can, uh, you, you said that his policies were incorrect? Yeah. What, what does that mean? Uh, I, like, I'm, I'm no one to say what the correct policies are, but if his policies were correct, uh, we wouldn't be in the problem we are now. Uh, right enough. now, <laughs> yeah, uh, he he died and he uh, like now a successor, and this guy uh, is uh, Nicolas Maduro. He's a uh, uh, I don't I, I don't want to talk shit, but he's he's not as prepared as he should be to be a president. So, well. Maduro uh, took also some uh, incorrect uh, policies, and the result of that is that our economy now is uh, on bank bankruptcy. They asked the, the international community for a lot of loans, and is uh, that is that is. Uh, so, uh, let me find the words. Uh, it's, it's so bad what happened that not even the people from the, from the Venezuelan uh, Congress know exactly how much money Venezuela owes to the other countries because there are uh, several loans that they asked that uh, they didn't tell anybody. And for example, we owe a lot of a lot of money to China, a lot of money to Russia, a lot of money to Iran. Yeah. And the government ha have never been like uh, clear, clear mm -hmm. uh, with the with the loans they take. And since uh, the last elections, let, wait a second. Mira las parlamentarias fueron en 2015, ¿no? Uh The last election, there were the uh, parliamentary elections for a con for a congress uh, the opposition party won uh, approximately 90% 90 percent of the seats uh, before that uh, there were some there was uh, the last uh, congress elections were in 2005 in which uh, Venezuelan opposition called for abstention and the results were that the congress uh, uh, where was mostly occupied by by the Officialist Party that changed in 2000, 2015. Uh, and since 2015, uh, that uh, the um, the Congress is uh, opposition-led, uh, the people uh, want, uh, <clears throat> the country ha have, haven't taken any more loans because uh, that's uh, 
that's a duty of the Congress to approve or not the loans that uh, the president oh, or okay. some okay. officials uh, ask for. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, the the uh, <clears throat> the economical decisions that this government that is that this government have made uh, led Venezuela to a serious economic crisis uh, with. Uh, food shortages, uh, energy shortages, uh, water shortages, and all kinds of infrastructure. Uh, uh, I don't know uh, problems. Yeah. So how long? Yeah, have, how long have you been covering what's going on there now? What, and and when did these pro when did these problems really become a big deal for daily life there? Uh, actually. It became a big deal for daily life, like since uh, last year, that uh, food, water, and energy shortages became uh, a lot more common. And this year, in up in April, uh, people started to get mad, like in other occasions. For example, in 2014 and 2007, or 2009, if I'm if I'm correct, uh, there were some uh, demonstrations against the government. Uh, those and also with clashes with, with clashes with the security forces, but uh, everything stayed like normal. Yeah. This this year, the government uh, wanted to Maduro's government wanted to implement uh, or create a new constitution and even officialist. Uh, um, uh, follow even official all followers were against uh, this new constitution. And so, so be, before we get into that, Ruben, um, you, you mentioned in this past April, right? I mean, that that's what like uh, I was I was going there, I was going there. Okay, go ahead. So pe so people uh, started to hear about this new constitution wow. and started to hear about the new proposals for the new constitution and people said yeah i i, I don't like this uh we have to change this somehow so uh the opposition started calling uh for marches uh for demonstrations and a lot of people went to the streets a lot uh it started uh the first demonstration this year was let, let me uh check with my friends Mira, la primera, la primera marcha de este año fue que sí, el primero, el primero. The, the first one was the first of April. And mm -hmm. since that day until like the last days of July, uh, there were approximately like three or four demonstrations per week in every city in Venezuela. Wow. Uh, can, can you talk about what was referred to as the mother of all marches? The mother of all marches. Yeah. Uh, there were like two or three marches that were called not not the mother, but uh, were called like big marches that uh, it should like they should uh, have the majority of people. Uh, but well, there, I don't there's know. One, there's one that made like international news that was uh, April nineteenth. And where a lot of people died, and it got very violent. That that was my first day working for this news channel. Wow. Uh, yeah. 
I went to, I went to the street several times, like two or three times, uh, to take pictures before that, and then I got hired. I started to work in in April 19th. Uh, this March had like 15 starting points uh, all over Caracas. Caracas is the capital of Venezuela, and it was very intense because uh, the points starting in the east uh, were somehow allowed to be to to people were allowed to concentrate in those points, but in the points on the on the west of Caracas, uh, people when they were starting to gather and when they were starting to to uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, gather and start to, to get crowded, uh, the police would just pass along and uh, like stand there with their shields and so like people so people would feel like threatened. Yeah. Uh, that day I started in a western uh, county uh, called El Paraíso. In El Paraíso, uh, people were uh, <laughs> people were uh, gathering in, at two points, uh, one in front of a of a mall and one in front of a of a bridge. And these two points were near the highway. Uh, in this location, there are three bridges that crosses all, uh, the highway. To the other side, and uh, the 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 demonstrated the demonstrators hoped uh, to use these bridges to get to the highway and to march along the highway uh, to the finish uh, to the finish point. But the thing was that the government placed this. Mira, cómo se dice antimotín en inglés. Riot, see, uh, with riot gear on the on the bridges and some military vehicles. Uh, when people started to march uh, towards them, like people were just uh, chanting and waving flags and just you know like crying for freedom. Right. But uh, the police just started shooting gas uh, gas bombs at them, uh, at us, actually. That day uh, was the first day I used uh, ever in my life uh, a helmet, uh, a helmet, uh, uh, an, armor, an armored vest. Yeah. Uh, that day I, I was hit two times by gas bombs in my, in my vest. Uh, I was pretty scared, actually. But then uh, people started to uh go back and like uh organize themselves they look for uh, bottles glass bottles they look for uh stones and they started throwing stones and throwing like uh molotov cocktails to the officers but the officers had like the upper hand obviously they had an armor vehicle they had shields they had helmets they had uh gas masks uh, but people didn't have any of this. People just had just had their, you know, their will and their hands and their stones. And 
Well, uh, like any other of these demonstrations this year, uh, people were repressed. Very, very, very bad. Uh, that day, we were at two of these bridges uh, sending a, a, live, um, a live transmission. And then we had to take uh, a refuge, take, take refuge in one of the buildings nearby. And when we, when we came out, because we saw some, some other press people uh, walking the streets, uh, by that moment, there were no more uh, demonstrators on the street. There, there were just uh, National Guard and uh, Bo Bolivarian National Guard and Bolivarian National Police. And those were the only ones in the street, besides us as press. Uh, in every country, uh, the press has, like, uh, the right to communicate and to transmit everything that's happening. Right. Uh, but in Venezuela, there is a problem because uh, the government don't want the, the 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 world to know what's happening, what's right. actually happening. Right. Right. And so, military that day, military officers uh, came at us, uh, asked about our credentials, and we just showed them uh, it was okay but then they told us to just flee and we asked why but they just left us hanging and left then uh we started hearing like uh, a lot of motorbikes and there was like okay this is weird actually we were uh with two chilean uh reporters and one guy uh who is a freelancer from uh ireland yeah and we know, we know Venezuela, we know what happens when we start hearing these thousand, uh, the, the, a lot of motorbikes, and we say, oh, this must be uh, the collectives. The collectives are like armed uh, guerrilla groups uh, by the government, by the way, uh, that just, uh, they take care that people in uh, poor zones don't uh, demonstrate. For example, there are like uh, these bags of food that the government uh, delivers uh, uh, at a very reasonable price. And they, these are, co are called claps. And in, uh, these claps are delivered in the poorest places in Venezuela. And these, poor, uh, these claps are delivered by the collectives. If, for example, uh, you say something about bad about the government, the collective say, okay, we don't give any clap to you. Uh, uh, if you are uh, an elect uh, uh, oppositor, they won't give the food to you either. Uh, so so these, is... groups, these groups are essentially like hired by the government, but they're not officially government uh, exactly uh, so so that that way uh, the government can can have the p deniability that they hired them and if they if there's exactly. violence then, yeah so like the, the yeah. it's not the police or the military that's committing these acts it's the the government can say no that's not us that's just collectivos that was at the beginning at the yeah. beginning it was just the collectivos right uh and they, they are not like properly hired yeah i mean uh i i've Free. i've talked with several and with people who know some of them and they they have told me 
they have told me they receive an amount of money uh, monthly, but it's not actually coming from the government, but coming from somewhere else. It's not like oh. they are in the government's payroll. They are in somewhere in someone else's payroll. Okay. So it's we know they are like hired from the government, but it's not officially so. Okay. So it's the the my the the biggest problem about these gangs, uh, to say like that, it's that they are armed and they harm people. Uh, that day, the 19th of April. Uh, The two Chileans fled, and we, uh, the Irish guy and my partner, we three, we uh, we were left alone, and the Irish guy, like, he he didn't feel the danger as we felt it, so when we started hearing the motorbikes, we just uh, started looking for somewhere to hide, for uh, for somewhere to just dug down a little, uh, and we. When we saw them at first, we started uh, running and got into a building. But the Irish guy, the Irish guy, didn't have so luck. Uh, wasn't so lucky, the Irish guy. And well, uh, he told us afterwards that when the guys surrounded him, they put like five pistols uh, on his belly and started asking him. Uh, For whom was he working for? Uh, what was he doing there? Uh, he doing in Venezuela if he's not Venezuelan. And they robbed his camera and uh, tried to ask him if he had a cell phone. He had his cell phone inside a hidden pocket in his vest, so he didn't give it. But uh, they took the camera and left left him like there for uh, 15 minutes or so and afterwards uh like the leader of the collective of those collectivos came and said we are not thieves we are socialists and he gave him the camera back but without the sd memory mm. so is is this is this all an aftermath of hugo chavez and, and yeah okay yeah uh, actually it was hugo chavez uh the one who created the collectives, the collectivos, the one who armed them, and the one who started, like, organizing them. Okay. But uh, the, I, I think the problem is, is not only the collectivos. The problem is everything. Because uh, at, at first, uh, casualties... Let, let me let me uh, talk to you about the, the protests and uh, not so much about the collectivos. And then we, we come back. Uh, the, uh, okay, how can I start? Um, in every march, in every opposition demonstration, there were uh, two sides of the story. The side, the opposition uh, wanted to wanted to uh, talk about, and the side the officials wanted to talk about. Uh, for opposition leaders and for the opposition party, the demonstration was uh, 
to get some uh, to get these these things. So, Wait, so I, Ruben, yeah, is the opposition party are they more are they more conservative leaning? Uh, yes and no. Uh, the opposition party now is uh, conformed by all the opposition parties that were that existed before. Okay. But uh, they joined uh, to faint, to like to stand against the government that is like that has that is a very powerful right uh, institute. But like their their goals. What are their goals? Okay, their goals right now is the destitution of Nicolas Maduro's government, uh, the release of all the political uh, prisoners, uh, of all the political prisoners. Uh, there are a lot of students there, and the restitution of the constitutional order. Because with this uh, national, um, with, with this new constitution they want to make, uh, it's not guaranteed the constitutional order that was in the previous constitution. Okay. Um, so, the opposition party is now... Uh, uh, the majority of the parties that are in there are leftist, but it's like center-left. And there are some center-right, but in Venezuela there are not like absolutely right or absolutely leftist parties. Okay. Uh, we are all kind of centered. Okay. If uh, I'm, I'm explaining myself? Yeah, yeah. No, it, that, that makes sense. Um, I'm curious. Okay. I'm curious why, um, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to ask um, how, how you got into being a multimedia journalist and why, and what keeps you going out on the streets to cover this? every day because uh when when you are in, in the streets and when you uh in in 2014 i i wasn't a reporter i was a demonstrator and i saw everything that the police everything that the army made uh to repress the demonstrations and how they broke like thousand civil rights how they uh, just punished the people for not agreeing with the government, and I thought there was there was very unjust, uh, there was very unfair. Yeah, like I I didn't like it. And to, uh, two two days in a row, I was uh, very close to get arrested. So I I said okay I'm I'm gonna stop right now and I'm gonna like just hope everything's for the best. Yeah. Then everything cooled down. Uh, the opposition negotiated with the government and everything went fine, just fine. But uh, the economic the economical crisis staggered and the social crisis staggered and this year again. Uh, people started going to the streets because because people didn't want people didn't want to feel hunger anymore. People didn't want to uh, have this nonsense uh, exchange control. Uh, if, uh, like let me make some parentheses here, real quick. 
uh, in US, you you might uh, you might not understand pretty well what I'm about to say, but we we cannot buy any other currency. Uh, when we like, when we want to, or the amount we want to, or we have to basically ask permission for the government to buy the currency, and the the government make the currency available to us, and we can and we can uh, we can buy it. But um, that is because they created an exchange control, and this exchange control is basically uh, created to maintain the dollar prices as Ven as bolivar is a uh, bolivar is venezuelan currency and as bolivar is weaker than the dollar we uh, the government wanted to i don't know somehow trick uh, the economy to uh, keep the bolivar uh, on the same rate uh, exchange rate Forever. Okay. So and Ruben, so just, I did. Just to, sorry, just to uh, clarify for our listeners. I mean, the, uh, I want to. I want to kind of paraphrase some stuff you said because okay. Venezuela, like the 1950s, was one of the had a very strong economy. Yeah. Right? And uh, I think that I just want to clarify that you're saying since the implementation of. A more socialistic economy is what led to the downturn. Would you attribute it to anything else, or is it primarily that the socialism? This, uh, uh, like socialism, socialism uh, involves many factors. One of these factors is the currency currency exchange control. Uh, at the beginning. In the 2001, oh, eh, mira, el, el, el control de cambio lo pusieron en el 2001, el 2002. Chila, el control de cambio lo pusieron en el 2001, el 2002. No sé. Well, at the beginning of this millennium, uh, they started with the uh, currency exchange control. And people were allowed to buy, uh, I think, when they, when they traveled, they were allowed to buy... 10,000 dollars 10, $10, that were at a rate of 1.3 bolivars per dollar. And uh, I think it was like 8,000 dollars electronically. Like you can, you can make purchases for 8,000 dollars via internet. But uh, <clears throat> some years afterwards, they reduced the travel uh the travelers uh ray um, um can, how can i say it uh, se dice una cuota o algo así no um do, like do you, the, do you the, 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 the dollars the travelers could buy were reduced to five thousands and the dollars people uh, people were able to use in internet purchases were reduced to three thousand okay right now do you think that's what made Chavez rich? Uh, no, that's other point that we have to take. Uh, this is not what made Chavez rich, but it's a tool that helped him uh, made a, make a lot of tricky businesses. Gotcha. Okay, go on. Okay, so it started with a believer, uh, a dollar 
a dollar at a 1.3 bolivars rate, okay? And uh, the second, they implemented uh, the currency exchange control, a black market uh, was was uh, starting to grow. Right, right. A black market for, for uh, international currencies, dollars, euros, and, and other currencies, but basically dollar, dollars and euros. Right now, uh, remember this number, 1.3 believers for one dollar. At the beginning of Chavez's uh, uh, period. Now, at the, at the middle of Maduro's period, uh, the official exchange rate for believers is like six to eight hundred believers per dollar. Oh my god. Like an eight hundred percent of inflation. But in the black market, the dollar right now is at fifteen thousand believers. Wow. And as the people don't uh, don't have access to like uh, cheap dollars to say like that, yeah. uh, they they have to go to the black market and, and purchase there. So in other words, this currency uh, this currency restriction it's kind of a it was a, an attempt to control the Venezuelan economy and the Venezuelan people. This restriction f it was what started the the, the the declination of Venezuelan economy. Yeah. Economy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because so. uh, it, it, it opened the doors for a lot of corruption. Yeah. So, for example, if you are a, a government uh, contractor, you can say, okay, I, can, I will buy you, I don't know, uh, materials for $100,000. Okay. How many is that in Bolivars? At, at, uh, at the... Um, at the official exchange rate. Oh, it's, I don't know, 600,000 believers. Okay, okay, good. They buy the dollars at the official exchange rate. Then when they have the dollars, they sell it at black markets, at black markets rate. And when they have uh, the thousands of believers uh, from this black market sale, they uh, buy the supplies they need and with the resting believers, they buy the dollars again from the official rate. Right. So it's artificial because prices. Because they have the context. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people with context in the government uh, were able to gain contracts with them. And, uh, and then they just got rich. Uh, yeah, I just started to get rich uh, with all of our money. Okay, wow. <laughs> Ruben, let me ask you, have you ever been to the United States? Yeah, three times. How And you stayed for a long time, or were you visiting? Uh, for, first time, I stayed like two weeks, the second time, two months, and the third time, three months. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, I think one thing that, that we're kind of interested in, especially with Venezuela, um, I don't. I don't know if you know much about the what it's like for the colleges here in the United States. Oh, hold on. I'll, 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 wait, I'll wait. a second. Okay. Um, anyways, so I don't know if you know much about what it's like for universities here in the United States, but occasionally we will have people who say, like, 
students in the United States who say that they want socialism and that socialism is the is the thing that will always work. And what's always interested me and, and what interests Tommy, I think, too, is um, every time something goes wrong in a socialist country, whether it's the Soviet Union or it's Cuba or now it's Venezuela, then people always say, oh, no, that's not socialism. That's not real socialism. So I'm curious about your perspective in Venezuela. Do you do you share that opinion with those people, or do you think that this is how socialism always turns out? Well, uh, socialism socialism is beautiful in paper. Yes, <laughs> socialism uh, like evokes uh, a right of equality for all the people. Right. What's uh, this is my personal opinion about what's happening in Venezuela and how they want to implement socialism here, and it's uh, something I I think because when I lived in Germany and I spoke from people from West from East Germany, uh, they told me they they could find all their food and all their uh, housing needs and all 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 their basic needs were uh, covered. Uh, very cheap because the government used to um, uh, subsidiate yeah, that, subsidize. that words even exist yeah subsidize sorry yeah uh, the, the government used to subsidize uh, food and everything and that's why the the USSR went down because they subsidized everything yeah and in Venezuela they started to do the same they started to subsidize everything. They started to subsidize uh, currency. They started to subsidize uh, power. They started to subsidize water. They started to subsidize uh, food. So at one at one point, uh, they said, like, this is the fair price for this item. And all the basic items, for example, uh, in food, had a fair price. They, they called it fair price. But uh, the problem with this fair price it, is that it was below the, um, the profit uh, margin for the people who produced these goods. Right. So uh, companies started to produce uh, goods that, were, that they were obliged to sell at a lesser uh, money that they were produced. So companies started uh, getting into bankruptcies. And uh, Venezuelan economies, economy always have been an, an importer economy because we, we have never been uh, ma a, a, a big manufacturer country. We always have imported everything we have needed. So since uh, Hugo Chavez government and Maduro's government uh, they started to destroy the little industry industry we had, the little uh, em employers that uh, were uh, fab uh, fabricating goods and uh, uh, here in Venezuela, they they were forced to shut down their fabrics. They were forced to flee Venezuela because they couldn't. They, they just couldn't. Uh, maintain their businesses anymore. Right. Uh, also, people from farms 
people from uh, several kinds of industries were uh, expropriated. That exists. I, I I don't know. I don't know what. Hello? Maybe explain a little more. Uh, like the government says, okay, this farm produces uh, sugarcane, and sugarcane is a product that is uh, it's a highly demanded product here in Venezuela. And we as government yeah. think your farm isn't producing enough for our needs. So we are taking your fabric. We're gonna give you. Uh, we're taking your farm. We're gonna give you some money in return. But your farm is now ours. Yeah, oh, okay. expropriated. The government did that right with word. a lot. Yeah. Ex sorry. Expropriated was the right word. Exactly. Yeah, they yeah, expropriated like a lot of farms, a lot of uh, companies, a lot of uh, industries. For example, uh, we had one. Uh, main house serving uh, house uh, communications provider like just like Verizon or T-Mobile here in Venezuela was called CanTV uh, my mom actually had uh, shares in that in that company until the com the government expropriated it uh, we had like at 2003 4 5 we had like decent internet speeds we didn't have problems uh, with our uh, with a uh, cellular signal, we didn't have problems with uh, communications at all. Now, uh, since the, cover the government expropriated Cantave, uh, they failed to maintain the the infrastructure uh, what, that Cantave needed to to provide their their service. And now, our internet, uh, for example, I I. I have a six megabytes per second internet speed, yeah. and I can only download at hundred kilobytes per second. Okay. I'm it, glad. I'm glad yeah, we can hear you. It's horrible. I'm glad we can hear you and see you pretty well right now. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear me and see me pretty well right now because uh, I'm at the friend's house using their Wi-Fi <laughs> because I don't have internet in my house since one month. <laughs> I have, yeah, I haven't been, I, ha I have been internetless for one month. <laughs> wow, that's, I, I think you, it, without internet for a month, I'm surprised you're still alive. Yeah, yeah. hop from, from a friend's house to another friend's house, so I can use their Wi-Fi all the time, <laughs> and I go to the office. It's, uh, all, it's almost I, important uh, as food. Me, yeah, you, you asked me a while ago why, why, it was, why I kept going to the streets. Uh, regarding uh, regardless of the dangers yeah. Uh, yeah. of doing so and I think um, the international community, community has to see what's happening in Venezuela even Venezuelans have to see what's happening here uh, we, we could be talking like all night long uh, there are so many problems Venezuela have that I that I that I could uh, share with you, that I could tell to you. And one of these problems is uh, CONATEL. CONATEL is an, a government organization uh, that uh, regulates all uh, the um, radio wave uh, frequencies. 
They regulate uh, the TV channels, they regulate radio channels, and they regulate uh, cable TV. Uh, they give uh, the the media they give media concessions uh, to channels that want to work that wants to work in Venezuela and since some uh, some from some years to now uh, these concessions haven't been re uh, renewed uh, and the problem is that uh, they don't renew them because they don't want to because they they have uh, they are like they let me let me just uh, think about Conatel uh, says to the media that uh, if they don't uh, share with the with the viewers what they want to what they want them to share a uh, their concessions won't be renewed for example uh i worked for news channels and in 2004 the first day of protests the 12th of february uh a guy was killed uh by one of these collectives and my partner took took the picture of the recently the, of the guy, uh, of the corpse of the guy, uh, like seconds after he he was shot, and it was put on the air right away. And our our channel was in the uh, was a, a cable channel, a paid channel, and not all the country could see it, but a lot of people uh, who paid cable cable TV could see it, and. Um, these people started to, I don't know, uh, make noise in the in, in social media, and the next day, the Feb on February thirteenth, our channel was put out of the air. Wow! So now we just air uh, through internet. We just uh, work uh, through our social media. So did they send you any any? Uh contact or email or anything to explain why they shut it down uh, they said it they said uh, this, let's, let, let me ask my partner exactly what they said because I want I want to say exactly what they said yeah yeah mire Rafa está fuera Chila Rafa está aquí Rafa está aquí Mira, ¿cuál fue la excusa del gobierno para sacar el DNA del aire? Que no sea que eran unos antiimperialistas. Terrorismo audiovisual. Incitaban al odio a la violencia. Eso fue. Okay, so the the excuse the government said is that our transmissions incited uh, violence and incited uh, rage between Venezuelan citizens. Oh, like incite, uh, incited, incited violence? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, 
it isn't so far from through from from truth because yeah if you if you are watching the tv and you see uh one of i don't know one student get shot down by some civil guy armed by the government obviously you would want to i don't know <laughs> you would be mad yeah. for sure <laughs> yeah uh but yeah uh from that day we were we have been uh airing our transmissions uh through social media and the problem is uh a lot of uh channels have been put out of the air one of the most uh renowned cases was was the case of uh Caracas radio television RCTV in Spanish uh this uh mira RCTV lo sacaron en 2007 no this was uh this this channel was uh broke down on 2007 and uh all the all the employers from this channel were were fired and a lot of uh, their talents flee flee the country and from that day we started saying that uh venezuelan government wasn't uh so respectful of uh civil rights right uh especially the liberty of expression right, right. right. and after what happened with NTN24 uh it was like uh uh mm, constituent assembly uh, and uh from th from that moment we knew we weren't dealing with a fair government let me ask you From this the moment our CTV were were was taken out of the air let, let me ask you this um because i i know you've been preoccupied a little bit in venezuela of course um but right now in the united states there's also this debate going on right now about the freedom of speech and the freedom of expression and you you yeah. you were just saying that you once once you saw the government start to infringe on those rights that it became um, a big deal for you and you understood that um, it was something that you thought was an injustice so what let me ask you why do you think that that the freedom of expression is an important thing uh free freedom of expression is very is very very important thing because because it allows uh communicators like like me to uh spread the truth of what's happening in some some place uh for example uh right now in in, in this era in the 21st century if something is not on the news it's it's just like it didn't happen if uh i don't know if uh if, if there's a forest and one tree falls does it sound right right exactly so uh for for the media it it happens just like that so for example uh if this is this is true if in a hospital there are not enough resources to treat the patients if in a hospital there are no i don't know dialysis chambers 
for people who has uh, diseases that need a dialysis chamber, if a hospital has uh, their their water uh, tank is contaminated with some bacteria or whatever, uh, it is the duty of uh, uh, of the media to uh, I don't know give air to that problem and hope the government resolves it right. because the government is responsible for that right. But that well. From the moment the, the government started uh, messing messing around with uh, freedom of expression, uh, it was the moment that uh, the problems that Venezuela and and the Venezuelans had uh, stopped stopped being informed, stopped being uh, denounced. Yeah. So if the if the government controls all of the. Uh, all of the courts, if the government controls all of juries, uh, people can't just sue the government because they're going to lose. And if people can't just go to the media and say that they can't sue the government because they're, they're just going to lose, we're like in a, in a, in a, uh, like going, uh, just let me arrange my idea. Yeah. So, if, if people cannot uh, denounce what is wrong, the other people cannot uh, realize what's bad about the government. Right. If the government controls all, all the all the news channels in the in the in the open TV, not the cable TV, how can the people that cannot afford cable TV uh, realize what is wrong with the government. Yeah, so I know that the, the fake news is a, a problem under the Chavez ruling, but like manufactured news is still a problem in Venezuela. Excuse me, can you, can you repeat that question, please? Yeah, so is, is uh, government-controlled news still an issue today? Yes, yes, because... Uh, this is these are not exact ciphers, but uh, approximately an eighty percent of Venezuelan population is a population of straits uh, D and E, uh, basically poor people. Uh, this eighty percent of the population uh, doesn't have access, or at least not many of them of them have access to cable TV. So they rely on the official uh, news channels to uh, get informed and to know what's happening. So, for example, in this march, uh, in this mother of all marches, the government just said there were like a bunch of teenagers wanted to, wanting to destroy the city. And it wasn't that. Yeah. And the other, the, the cable news media knew it wasn't that and informed what was actually happening. Mm. But the uh, government informed uh, the whole country. So you as a journalist, I mean, you, is your um, media ever threatened by the government or is it ever spun in what you're trying to report? 
Uh, besides of getting pulled out of the air, no. <laughs> but uh, for example, uh, we are recommended not to carry our our credentials or official NTN credential credentials with us because if some colectivo takes us and they see, oh, it's NTN twenty four, they will like. I don't know. I don't know what, what they would do to us because they they really hate us. We wow. we we have we have made some uh, reportages about them about what they do, and they they just don't like the truth to be heard. Mm. Have you ever been threatened? Yeah, uh, the last 16th of July, there were there was uh, there were some elections, but called by their people, called by Venezuelan opposition, and they. Uh, In Venezuela, there is a there is a an institution called the uh, CNE, the National Electoral Council. That is the they they have the um, the duty of taking care of all elections in Venezuela. And uh, Venezuelan opposition strongly believes that the CNE is corrupted. That the, uh, is fraud is, is uh, makes frauds and recently in the last elections the ones from the 30th of July uh, there were some irregularities with those elections and even in Smartmatic there was a company uh, that was on charge there was uh, that had like 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 the contract to put the the voting machines in, in all Venezuelan territory they said there were some irregularities mm. so to avoid this uh, the Venezuelan opposition called for elections 15 days earlier at uh, the 16th of July these elections were called by the opposition were organized by the people and were not were not automatized in these elections people elected uh, they didn't want a new constitution Uh, people asked the national army to stand in favor of Venezuelan people. And uh, the thing that happened was that uh, the Venezuelan opposition got 7,100,000 votes. What happened 15 days afterwards? Uh, The the, constitu uh, the constitution uh, called for elections. They didn't let any anyone from the from uh, any reporter or any journalist to get near any uh, uh, any election center near 500 meter. They they didn't they didn't let any uh, person from the media. To get closer than 500 meters, that would be like uh, one. Let me see. Three meters is 10 feet. Yeah. So it would be like like a couple soccer know, fields. Uh, what? Like a couple soccer fields. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I I wanted to report that, uh, but for example. I, when I went to an election center, uh, they didn't get—they they didn't let me get near it. And from far, 
you could see there was no one assisting. Uh, we got voice notes from several uh, mayors of uh, officialist-led cities that were calling uh, people to vote because we because as they said they didn't have a note uh, votes to win the elections but at the end uh, we, we were receiving these voice notes uh, like at 2 3 4 p.m uh, near the, the end of the election that ended like 5 or 6 p.m uh, and at 10 in the, in the night they they just announced they had eight million voters and it was like okay this is suspicious this is kind of su suspicious but i don't know let's give some room room for doubt the next day uh, smartmatic the company that was uh that that, uh, that had the contract to to put the, mach the machines to, to uh, so the people could vote uh said there were there was some irregularities and they they said uh the results were approximately approximately one to two millions uh, defaced. I mean, it could be uh, one to two millions less votes than they said they had. Oh wow! And yeah, and some uh, unconfirmed sources from inside the CNE, the National Electoral Council, uh, said they actually got no more than three million votes so people don't don't have any um trust in this in this uh, entity anymore yeah wow all right well ruben i know i know you're getting low on time but um i just wanted to ask you yeah i no don't worry i have, yeah. I have a lot of time a lot of time <laughs> yeah okay good um well i just wanted to then i wanted to wrap up a little bit it's my be a big question it's a kind of three-part question um okay so what's next for you what do you think is next for venezuela and what do you hope is next for venezuela well what's next for me that depends on what happens with venezuela yeah. uh in september i should start classes again and if everything goes smoothly uh my university should uh still be there imparting classes but uh one of the propositions for the new constitution was that uh, private education uh wouldn't exist anymore i study in a private university uh so wow. if they uh, they uh, change some law or they say something about uh, private universe, private private education. I don't know what would happen for me, but uh, my plan B would be go somewhere else, maybe Colombia, maybe Ecuador, Argentina, Chile. I don't know. There are several countries that are taking Venezuelans right now. I would uh, be there like one year or six months, just, just like saving money, and then I would travel all the world. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, if nothing happens, I would just graduate and do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what do I think is next for Venezuela? Uh, sadly, uh, my point of view is not so optimistic. Um, yeah, because the new... Uh, since uh, the, the, the elections in 30th of July, 
there is a new organism called the National Constituent Assembly. This organism is uh, made to create a new constitution. But uh, in the in the time while this organism is uh, acting, is they are over all of the all of the other powers. They are over the uh, presidential power. They are over the Congress. And to put it like that, it's like the National Constituent Assembly is the highest power in Venezuela right now. So they have uh, the, the right to do anything they want. So uh, if they decide to, to do what, uh, what was uh, proposed for the new constitution, it, it will be very sad because it will be uh, the legalization of Venezuelan socialism. Uh, because the proposals, I just, I, I'm, I'm just gonna tell you some, some of them. Uh, one of the proposals is to regu to regulate the media, uh, to regulate even social media, and they put, they, they put China as an example. Oh, oh no! Uh, yeah, another. Uh, I, I don't know if you have heard of all the. Um, Rikes, uh, the army has violated by killing people, by arresting people without warrant, by searching houses without warrant. The new constituent uh, proposes to give more power to the army so they can do that and more without uh, any supervision. Or, uh, for example, uh, with the, with this new constituent, uh, if you are uh, acu uh, if you are suspected of terrorism, they they have they, they will have the right to search your house without a without a warrant, and they have been doing so, but uh, yeah, there's there's nothing you can do about it. Like if they go to your door and they just knock and say just open the door, you ask do you have a warrant and they say no, and yeah, you can say whatever you want. You can say, okay, you cannot enter my home. But they, they would just bring down the door anyways. Nice. Uh, yeah, and so I'm not that optimistical. I think uh, Venezuelan people is not as mad as we thought they were because they were not anymore. They, they are not anymore in the streets. They are not going out anymore. I know it's dangerous. I know it's it's hard. I, I've been there, but I, I I have seen a lot of courageous boys, a lot of courage, courageous girls, a lot of courageous men and women who had fought uh, for Venezuela. And now I ask myself, where where are these boys? Where are these girls? Where are these 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 men, this woman, this elder who were fighting for us? Where are they? Some of them are in prison, and some of them just give, gave up. And that's what I think is very sad. So, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people is hoping that uh, somehow miracul mir miraculously everything like gets better, 
Some people are hoping uh, the U.S. actually uh, invades us. I don't want that. I don't want a war. I don't. Uh, some people are hoping uh, there there is a Why civil war because uh, I don't know. I think, and this is just a personal opinion. I think they want someone else to resolve their problems. Yeah. I think they they just don't realize that if you want something to change, you have to change it to change it yourself. Yeah. And uh, the la uh, what was the last question? Sorry. Oh, uh, what do you what do you hope happens? What what would be the ideal future for Venezuela, in your opinion? Well, the ideal future. Well, <laughs> um. Well, I, I'm I'm just yeah. This this will sound like a movie, but yeah, it, it's what should happen. What I hope it happens, even though it's uh, fairly impossible that this happens. I hope that people just start giving a shit and just go out of their homes <laughs> and just march to fucking president's door and fucking yeah, but <laughs> yeah. <of course. laughs> And just kill all them fucking collectivos of shit. Yeah, <laughs> those guys have to die. <laughs> all right. Uh, I hope that happens too. Yeah. But what, uh, but what about after that? But what about after that? After that, well, uh, Venezuela is a it's it's a very uh, I don't know special country, and people here are very special. Uh, they are. Uh, there are a lot of entrepreneurship here in Venezuela and there is a lot of money because of the oil and that, that's going to be always like that until we find another uh, power source but uh, I think after this happens maybe we have to just go the deepest we can go until we can rise again but I think when the country rises when the economy restore itself, restores itself, a lot of people, uh, not just Venezuelans, but also uh, people from, from outside uh, are going to start investing here, are going to start uh, starting uh, businesses here, are going to start uh, recovering the economy, and this country, I don't know, maybe five, ten years would be will be a lot more uh, advanced and a lot more, more more developed than we are right now. Yeah. I, I, I think actually that if Chavez had done what, what he should have, because in, in his period of time, uh, from, 2000, from 2000 to 2010, uh, the oil barrel was in the, in the highest price ever, above $100 all the time. If Chavez had uh, took this chance, took uh, the chance, this uh, uh, oil uh, barrel price had gave him, he could have made Venezuela in something like Dubai. If you see photo, photo, uh, pictures from Dubai from the 90s, that was just desert. If you see pictures from Dubai right now, there is like a lot of skyscrapers and cool things. Right. I think Venezuela could be that. Yeah. Well, awesome. You, uh, you were asking me if I was uh, menaced by colectivos. Yeah. And I started to tell you about the elections. Uh, I was going to tell you 
one anecdote, and this this gonna be the last. Yeah. Uh, at in 16th of of July of July, I was in Katia. Katia is a uh a slum here in Caracas, and in Katia there was one of the biggest election centers, and in front of the election center there was in a church. Uh, there were gathered around, I don't know, like 5,000 oppositions, uh, uh, people from up from Venezuela opposition, uh, and they were uh, chanting, they were uh, screaming for freedom, and they were just singing and, and celebrating the, the these elections. And uh, some people uh, from from the, from the officialism, some uh, people. Uh, Uh, government followers were nearby. There were like there were like five thousand uh, opposition uh, people from opposition, and like just a hundred from uh, officials. And in the middle of them, there were there was the police and opposition. Uh, the people from opposition were screaming things to the to the people of of officials. They were screaming, uh, I don't know, uh, we want freedom. They were screaming, uh, you don't like us because we're winning and stuff like that. And something very odd happened. From one side of the police came like a bunch of motorcycles and they did like a round they went back to the street and they let they uh went out of the motorcycles stepped down of the motorcycles and walked towards the position crowd and started firing fire guns to the to the air like just shooting to the air and people started screaming started running it was uh madness completely madness uh at that time i was uh at a live streaming my iphone uh uh got uh heat up and it turned uh, it turned off and at the time i was just okay I, i i cannot transmit right now i have to just take care of my life so i i took cover behind a, a kiosk There was uh, on one of the sidewalks, the, the sidewalks, and I was at the side with the, of the police, and all the opposition fled, and there were there were just remaining the police, the collectivos, and the people from the, the officials, uh, uh, the people, the, the likers of the officialism, and my partner and I were uh, behind police lines. And one guy just stepped in front of me. One uh, guy, like I don't know, I I, I am like uh, five six. He would be like six two. Uh, he was in front of me, and he just tapped into uh, tapped my, my 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 chest, and he said, "Take care of yourself, kiddo, because we know who are you." And I was like, "Fuck, okay, I I have to run away from here." And my partner just tell me, just, just just chill, just chill. Let's get some some motor taxis and go. And then afterwards, 
a guy from the National Bolivarian Army took his cell phone out and he started like recording my face. And I was like, why are you filming me? Stop filming me. Don't, don't do that. And it was just like covering my face. And the guy just won't stop. And I, I thought that day that something bad was going to happen to me. And I took a, a bike and just left. But then today, <laughs> I went to the country uh, to the Congress because uh, there was some event there. There was uh, a session, and a girl tell, told me, uh, "Ruben, uh, you have to be careful because they know who are you, and they they want to have you." Say it like that. Ah uh, well. <laughs> Wow. I hope not, nothing bad happens to me. Jesus. Man, Ruben, was, dude, stay safe. Yeah, that's sure, a, man. That's a, scary, <laughs> that's a scary story. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty scary. Yeah. But not, not, not as scary as the guns of, that the, those guys had right. that day in Katia. Yeah. They, killed a, uh, they killed three people that day. Yeah. Well, I know, I know you're really passionate about your work, so I want, I want to be able to give people a good place where they can find your work online. Um, can you give us your, your Instagram name and all that stuff? And other places where people can find your stuff? Uh, my name is uh, Ruben Sevilla. It's, uh, do you need to spell it? Sure. Uh, it's R-U-B... E N, uh, and last name is S E V, as in Venezuela. I double L A. And that's your like, that's your Instagram name. Yeah, and my Instagram name is just name and last name just all together. Ruben Sevilla. And uh, I had a, a link to my web page there in my Instagram. I, I think I don't have it anymore because. I don't know, I think I, I took it away. But uh, I, I'm going to upload it soon. soon. Okay, perfect. And uh, I have a Flickr account. It's also by my name. But uh, my latest work is in my Instagram. Okay. All right, well, Ruben, yeah. thanks so much for, for joining us, man. I'm so interested to hear your perspective and hear everything you have to say. And I know Tommy is, too. So, no, I think thank you for reminding me, guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, if you ever if you ever come to the United States, let me know. If you ever come to Southern California to visit your cousin, oh yeah, sure, definitely. Know. Yeah, we'll go. If, when I when I go back to San Diego to visit my brother, we'll surely I don't know hang out together or surf or anything. <laughs> yeah, sounds great, Tommy. I I think you might be muted on your channel on your. Uh, on your, uh, ah, there you go. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't hear you. Tommy, did you want to say anything before we sign off? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Hey, one second. Ruben, can you mute your uh, microphone for a second? Can I what? Can you put press mute really quick on your microphone for a second? If I can, what? Uh, can it's okay. Hello? Okay, Tommy, Tommy, go ahead. Uh, mute my microphone? My yeah. microphone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Ruben, it was, uh, it was an absolute pleasure uh, getting your insight and, and speaking with you. 
Um, if you're ever in New York City, you know, definitely hit me up. I, I want to continue this conversation uh, a, a further. It was just an absolute pleasure. Cool. Uh, you can you can unmute it. I just I there you go. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, Tommy. Uh, it was it was a, a pleasure for me to give this little insight about Venezuela to you guys and to all the people that they're going to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, there is a lot that remains to be told, uh, but I guess you guys. Uh, I don't know, can just uh, go into CNN, BBC, NTN24 and just watch it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right. We will. All right, Ruben, stay safe out there, okay? Thank you, man. You too. All right. Thanks, Ruben. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.